Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you'd uh, turn your Bibles um, to Revelation, Revelation chapter 1, um, and we'll be beginning in verse 9. Um, as we saw last week, um, Revelation kind of has a, a, a character of different kinds of literature. Uh, I said it's a, kind of an apocalyptic prophecy that was distributed as a circular letter. Um, uh, it talks about how John was, was given this. It was given from the Father to the Son through an angel to give to John, um, who then was to send it to the seven churches probably moving from one to the next and the next, and then eventually it came down to us. Tonight we're actually going to, to see uh, an image of, of Jesus here on the pages of uh, Scripture. One of the things we need as believers, uh, in fact the primary thing we need as believers to affect change in our life is not a, a, step, a, a step program of how to better self-improve ourselves. But what we need for change in our lives is to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. We are changed as we worship Him for who He is. And tonight we are looking into a text that shows us Jesus for who He is today. Not just uh, an image of what He was like whenever He walked the earth, whenever He taught and did miracles and He preached. Not just of one who was crucified and risen, but now the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. This risen and glorified Jesus who just is so awesome that we would fall dead at His feet like dead at His feet if we were to encounter Him. So let's look at what John has written to us about Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. I, John, your brother, and partner in the tribulation and kingdom of the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, saying, Write what you see in a book, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth 
came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels, and the seven churches are the lampstands, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, you have spoken to us in your word, and we ask you to speak to us tonight. As we hear this, uh, Lord, as we look in depth at um, what you have said, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, may we behold the glorious majesty of Jesus Christ. Father, be with me. Be with me as a, a weak and frail sinner. Help me to, uh, to speak forth your word. Help me to uh, be faithful. Lord, I pray that your spirit would unite with your word. Lord, we would leave this place changed because of beholding you. In Jesus' name, amen. He begins telling where he was at when this vision came to him. He was on the island called Patmos. Now, Patmos was, a, was a, like a prison camp type of island that he was exiled to, and his punishment was that he could never leave that island. And why was he there? It says, on the account of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was persecuted, he was exiled because he had been preaching the gospel, he had been preaching about Jesus, about the testimony of Jesus, about how he had died and he had rose again, forgiving our sins, and that he had ascended into heaven. He, he was being persecuted, he was imprisoned for this very reason. And then John, at the beginning, it says that he was a partner. He, first, he calls himself a brother with these persecuted Christians from these seven churches that are receiving the letter. He calls them his brother, their brother. He says he's their brother. And he says he's a partner in the tribulation. So, uh, he is a fellow sharer of their sufferings. While they are suffering in whatever circumstances that they're in, in, in uh, the different seven churches, or whether it's us today reading this letter, and whatever tribulation or suffering that we find ourselves in, John here, as he writes this down, identifies with us. He says he's a partner in the tribulation, but not just the tribulation and the kingdom. He's a partner in the tribulation and the kingdom. Well, there, there is a kind of a dual aspect about the nature of reality. Because not only are Christians called to suffer, not only did those early Christians suffer under persecution, under a, a Caesar like Domitian, but they were also citizens of a kingdom. 
together. Where Jesus Christ was on the throne, He was in control, and nothing was going to come their way in the midst of their suffering that Jesus was not in control of. So, John calls himself a partner in the tribulation and kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. Just like he had to wait patiently enduring every believer, whether it was those back then facing persecution or whether it would be us, we are all called to patiently endure. While things are difficult, whether, whether it be school, for, for those kids that are here or for college students, school and the difficulty of just getting uh, work done and, and trying to please your professors, or whether it be adults in the workplace, um, we all are called to a patient endurance. John, he himself was a patient endurer with us and with this early church. Well, he tells us that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. I believe it was a, a Sunday. Uh, we call it the Lord's Day because uh, that was the day that Jesus was risen from the dead. Uh, from the very early times of Christianity, we have met together to worship on Sunday because uh, that is the day that he rose from the dead. I don't usually call, my, in my, everybody has their own convictions, I don't usually call Sunday the Sabbath because the Sabbath was Saturday. We call it the Lord's Day. I call it the Lord's Day. Now, he, he was in the Spirit. He was worshiping. Now, notice that. He was in the Spirit. He was worshiping on the Lord's Day in the spite of the fact that he was on this, in this island as a, an exile and unable to leave that island. He was suffering persecution, yet he was worshiping. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And then suddenly as he was worshiping, he heard behind him a voice. And it wasn't just any voice. It wasn't a, 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 a natural human voice that, that, that like a person was behind him trying to get his attention. No, it was a loud voice like a trumpet. And it was saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. And he lists those different churches. Well, John, um, I don't know. It seems you know, he, he wanted to find out where this voice was coming from, and he turned around and he discovers, as we see in verse 12, that it was Jesus. But it didn't look like the Jesus he remembered. Look at verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands was one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were, were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. This is not the Jesus we remember from Sunday school, is it? <laughs> no, this is the risen and glorified, ascended King of kings and Lord of lords. It says he, was, he saw seven golden lampstands. This probably would remind readers at the time of Zechariah chapter 4. I'm not going to go there, but if you look that up, there's a, a story of a, of, a, of a golden lampstand that was supposed to represent God's presence among His people as they were uh, rebuilding the temple. Uh, I think uh, here, 
This golden lampstand shows that God is present there with them. And in the midst of the lampstands, there was one like a son of man. Now, that son of man language, when Jesus walked the earth, as we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the most common thing for him to refer to himself as. He usually didn't say, I did this or, or have come for this. He said, the Son of Man. So he refers to himself as the Son of Man. So when John here says, one like a Son of Man, he's already tipping us off, this is Jesus. But maybe the reason why he's putting it this way is to remind us also of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, what um, Bradley read from earlier, you have the Ancient of Days that is there, and, and these thrones are set, and, and uh, the, the, uh, son, uh, a Son of Man comes, and He sits before the Ancient of Days, and the Ancient of Days hands over a kingdom to the Son of Man. But the Ancient of Days, in that old picture from Daniel, was the one with the white hair and, and this the way that looks. But now here in Revelation, we see it's Jesus that's the one who is being described with the white hair. So we see the the Son of Man from Daniel who's given a kingdom is one with the Ancient of Days. What we see in this chapter of Revelation as well as I I think um, in Daniel chapter 7 is that the Messiah is God Himself. Jesus is one with the Father, one with the Ancient of Days. And it's in, continue to look. It says, His eyes were as a flame of fire. It's hard for us to imagine why would John be saying that his eyes were like a flame of fire? No, no, probably because that's what he saw. But I think that indicates something. It, it's, it's indicating to us that Jesus, as He looks out, He sees everything. There's nothing that can be hidden from Him. When He looks at us, He sees everything that we've ever thought, everything that we've ever done. He sees His gaze cannot be escaped, and He sees it all. Not one careless word can be hidden. Because Jesus has these eyes of flaming fire that just penetrates down to our very core. And it says, His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and His voice was like a roar of many waters. In His right hand, He held seven stars. Just contemplate that for a little bit. He held seven stars in His right hand. I think this speaks of His sovereignty, of how He is in control. He holds not only the whole world, the earth in His hands, but He holds the seven stars in one hand. He is in control. He is sovereign over all things. And from His mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. We read elsewhere that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when Jesus speaks, we sang, this morning, we sang just a little while ago, 
saying, Speak, O Lord. Have Your way in us. Here, Jesus, when He speaks, it's like a sword coming out of His mouth. It's that living Word of God. And it comes and it penetrates down deep into our being. And he, as He speaks, He is able to take it and shape our heart and mold it. He, he speaks forth and He cuts away with His Word all those impurities, all those sins. As He comes, He does this for us. And His face was shining like the sun shining in its full strength. It kind of reminds me here of Moses. Moses, he went up to meet with God on Mount Sinai. And when he came down, he had to cover his face with a veil because it was, it was shining. But it faded away. Because Moses, you know, Moses, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he just went up the mountain and he didn't even see God face to face so much as he, he stood there and God walked by his backside so God could, could just see, or Moses could just see Reflection. See the backside, the way it's described in the text. And Moses came down and his face was shining. But here, Jesus is described much, much greater than Moses because his face shines bright, brighter than even the sun in all of its brightness. It wasn't just a reflection because Jesus is God Himself. And it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And if we were confronted by Jesus in this way, we would probably all respond the same way. And one day when we stand before him, when when we see him in all of his glory, maybe that would be our natural inclination to just fall at his feet as though dead. When we see this image of Jesus, this risen and glorified Jesus, but Jesus, then He reaches down and He touches Him with His right hand and He says, fear not. Because John doesn't have any reason to fear. Well, he does in the sense of what Jesus is and who He is and how holy He is. We ought to fear. But John tells, or Jesus tells John, do not fear for this reason, I am the first and the last. Now in the last verses we looked at last week, it says uh, in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the, Son, the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. That was God the Father speaking. Now we see Jesus saying, I am the first and the last. The Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the same person. And here Jesus again is saying who He is. I am the first and the last. And he follows that up. I am the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Now this removes any doubts. If you you wondered, I don't know if I recognize Jesus here. He's got the white hair and the long robe and the golden sash and all those things. He says, I am the living one who died and rose again. This is Jesus the risen Lord. That's one reason why John is not to fear. Because this is Jesus who died and rose again. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that John does not have to fear. And then 
He says, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. He's in control. He's the one who has the power to open and shut death and Hades. So why shouldn't John be afraid? Because Jesus is in control. Nothing is going to harm him or kill him because Jesus is the one who has the power over death and Hades. On the basis of this, Jesus says to John, write therefore the things that you have seen. And those that are, those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the star, seven stars and the angels are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now here, um, there is an explanation. Jesus explains to John what those things were he saw in the vision. The, lampsta- the stars are the angels, or messengers or angels to the seven churches. Uh, not necessarily. I don't want to get too speculative when it comes to angelology, what we understand about angels. Uh, there may be some idea that some, some have thought of about uh, uh, each church having an individual angel or something like that. I, I don't know how that all works. I don't think we're given that much information, but somehow... These angels, these stars that Jesus has in His hands are are these messengers that convey Jesus' words to His congregations, to these churches there in Asia Minor. And then the seven lampstands, those are the seven churches. And in Zechariah, the the lampstand referenced... uh, God's presence with His people. I think the lampstands here, these seven lampstands that are the seven churches, emphasize that Jesus is present with His churches. They are suffering. They are persecuted. And God, Jesus, takes time out of the worship of heaven to come to John and let His people know, I'm with you in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your persecution. Now, we've looked at all of this, and Jesus is telling John to write down a message from these seven churches. We're going to take the next few weeks and go over what this, these letters are to the seven churches. I'm not going to take too much time on all that right now, but some... some points that I want to bring out. He comes to these seven churches and He tells them to repent. They're believers. They're suffering persecution. But there are things where they've strayed and they've lost their way and Jesus is telling them on the basis of His resurrection, on the basis of the fact that He is in control and He is powerful and He is glorified and risen, that they are to repent. He tells the church of Ephesus that they have lost their first love. He tells the church of Laodicea that they're lukewarm and they need to repent and and be either hot or cold for Him. And then uh, other churches, they've fallen into false teaching or sexual immorality. 
Jesus comes to His churches and He tells them to repent. What we see here in the text that we're looking at tonight is the risen and glorified Jesus coming and summoning His churches to obedience. And as we hear His Word, let us recognize Him for who He is. Let us worship Him. Let us bow down before Him. Because He deserves all of our worship. He deserves our obedience. Because He has bought us with His blood. And because He is who He is. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook.